So I just spent the past couple of minutes asking Alexander if he had any clue as to what he got himself into. Apparently, he didn't. Welcome to the show, Alexander. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. I'm stoked to talk to you because uh, I kind of learned a little bit about you way, way back when, when you started your, I want to say your acting career, but a little more so from a, a campaign you ran with someone called like Bite the Bullet. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me because a lot of people on the outside have this, you know, perception of individuals who have it all made or they're just, they don't struggle. There's never anything wrong. And I guess I'm going to hit you right with it. You've been an actor since you've been young, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that itself comes with its own challenges, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I was just having this conversation with somebody else the other the other day, and I was like, you know, it's you have two careers. I think you know you have one if you if you grow up in the business, like you have one as a child, and then a totally different one when you turn eighteen. Um, and making the transition is is very difficult. But like, I think trying to deal with all the rejection and and trying to understand the industry when you're a kid is is very difficult uh, for people. It certainly was for me. Um, realizing that that my perception of the industry and what it actually was is very different. Um, and really, the only way to continue in this is just straight on persistence um, and uh, and trying to just master yourself along the way so that you can deal with. Um, those times when it gets tough. Um, so many of the people that I remember coming up with have fallen off. And it's, you know, I, I believe it's either that they got it too easy or, or that it's just, un, it's just their life is unsustainable um, because, you know, it's a scary, it's a scary world when you're a kid, you know, and if you don't have those right role models around you and you don't have the people um, that look out for you, it's, yeah, I mean, I can totally see how you, how you can go in this really downward spiral. I mean, I had I had everyone looking out for me and great people, and yet I still went on a downward spiral. So I, I can't imagine what it's like for so many others. Did you um, did you want to be an actor? My whole life, I, I've acting and music have just been the two things since I was a kid that I have always been drawn to. So I I just and I think at the heart of it, it's just storytelling. Like for me, I just. I always wanted to be a part of telling stories and inspiring people. And um, that's, I just, I'm one of the lucky ones who just knew what I wanted from the beginning. Is that because you came from, because number one, you, did you have, was your mom an actress? Was that yeah, how that worked? My mom, my mom was an actress like way back when, uh, before she had me. Uh, she actually, um, she started Friday the 13th, part eight, and she's amazing in it. Um, yeah. And she would have, ha- I really believe she would have had a, a very long, successful career. But what was more important to her was raising a family and a big family. And anyone who grew up in a big family knows that um, being a mother is a full-time job. I mean, even when I talked to you on the phone and I heard your kids in the background, I was like, I feel even more awful that I'm <laughs> late for this. Um, but it, it really is, you know, and, and I, I can say... Um, 100% I would not be here um, without the love and support uh, of my mom. I mean, she was my biggest fan and I was hers. And if anything, my parents were skeptical about me being in the industry. It wasn't something that was thrust upon me. You know, it was something I had to beg for. Um, But, you know, when I couldn't drive, my mom would drive me to auditions. And, you know, that's a huge commitment. When I got my first big role when I was 13... My mom moved with me to Romania within a week's notice. And let me tell you, that's not a place that you want to move to, especially, you know, what are they, 10, 10 years, 11, no, even longer now, um, almost 20 years ago. So it's just like, you know, it's, uh, it's my mom is uh, so much credit to her because she, she believed in me when at times I didn't believe in myself. Yeah, but that's important, man. And I love that you acknowledge that. So many people I find that are successful in what they do. There seems to be this understanding that they're just here and they made it and they don't like to look backwards at any of their, you know, say anything that happened in their life or how they got there, whether it's because they they want to be the ones to say that I did it on my own or they want to be the ones to say, you know, they want to keep their families out of it. But I love hearing that you had such support within your family. And that's also something really great to acknowledge is you can have support and still struggle, which I think people kind of forget. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, just on that note, like I think that's the biggest lie that we're told that that everyone did it themselves and they busted their ass and they did like no man is an island. No man. Like part of part of succeeding in anything is being smart enough to surround yourself with people who are as talented, as focused, as driven as you, and that support you and want the best for you. But you know, there are so many people, I mean, numerous people that that um, played massive roles in me being here in front of you today. And um, without them, I wouldn't be. I, I, yeah, I've never really understood that where people go like, oh, like, you know, you see this all the time, this mentality of just like, you know, it's, you know, wake up at 4 a.m. and just grind it out and, you know, work your ass off and you do it alone and this and that. It's like, hold on, hold on. Like, that's not, we need to take a step back for a second. Like, you get to where you, you get to a certain level through consistency. And there's no way to sustain that if, if you're burning yourself out, you know, within the first week. I mean, this is like a marathon, you know, it doesn't just happen. So, yeah. Well, because you were, you were saying like, uh, you were working last night till 4 a.m. And then you got up and you're doing this and it's a Sunday. And I applaud that effort and I applaud that, uh, you know, that willingness to work the way you do. But I do see, I know last week and you went away, which was really nice to see. Um, I'm glad that oh, you took a break. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't been, I haven't been away like that, like on a beach for like two years. And I've always wanted to go to Turks and Caicos, which is two and a half hours away from Atlanta, which I had no idea. Um, yeah. But I was really, really happy we got to go do that. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It looked, it looked fantastic. I was like, oh, good. I could, I can be bummed for that. I'll give him that one. <laughs> I'll bump it. I was like on Instagram and I was like, that motherfucker's on vacation. I was, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how we could do it from there. But the problem yeah, was no. I didn't even know. I didn't even know when I was going to be back. Um, like we thought, yeah, but yeah. Just teasing you. Yeah. I'm just teasing. I'm glad though. I'm glad you take that. It's important too. It's important to take the time for your mental health. It's important time. It's important to take the time for your family, especially you, you, you're a newly married dude. So that's really, really key. And it's like, you see so many of these actors and actresses, the priority isn't really the family. It's not, or I mean, from the outside, it doesn't look like it. And when I see people, you know, really acknowledging their spouse and doing those things, I think that's an incredible human being and needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, I think um, a mistake I, I've made, and I, and I again, I don't really believe in like regretting anything because I think that whatever you've done, it's led you to where you are now. So, but I think one thing that I've, uh, it's taken me way, uh, way too long than I would have liked to realize is like, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself first before you can do anything. Like if, if I, like, if I don't honor like what I, what I need to just be good, then I will be an ineffective operator. I won't be able to, to, you know, work at my highest level. I won't be a good husband. I won't be a good friend. You know, it's like, for me, one thing I realized is so important is sleep. I mean, for so long, I was just like getting up and like, you know, on four hours of sleep and going for a five mile run. And I thought that was the way to do it. And I realized, hold on a second. Like, that's just, for me, that's just unsustainable. Like that's, I need to I need to find places where I can take care of myself so that I can continue to do my job to the best of my ability. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that that is really important. And the people who I realize have great relationships that I've worked with that that have succeeded at like the highest level, um, you know, they they put their family first. You know, they they're just they're all about family. They, they lay low. You don't see them in the tabloids. You don't see them out at parties. They're just. They're, they just do their thing. And that's, those are the people I really admire. That's like uh, Neil and Ruve McDonough. So Neil's, uh, Neil's done Captain America and Band of Brothers and all of those. And he just has one out right now, Boone. Um, and he's, him and his wife been together over 20 years. They have five kids and those kids are on like every set and they're constantly with them. They don't live in the, in the public eye, but he's one of the most successful actors for a reason. And I think Having yeah. family support units like that is it's so rare and, and, and few and far between. Yeah, um, yeah it's just, it, it blows my mind. But um, I digress. Um, not to pry into your family, but I get oh, no, that. No. No, um, 
So you kind of went, you've been through, but you've been through some struggles. You've been through some real shit, like outside of like, you really had to work to get to where you are, not just from an acting perspective, but from a mindset overcoming some serious things. I don't know how comfortable you are talking about those. No, 100%. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a lot that played into that. And I think that in, um, in, oh, sorry, I'm looking at a delivery coming to the door. It's okay. Hey, this is real life. And that's what this kind of show is. No, seriously, people listen to me for this shit. It's cool. Hold on one sec. She's going to go. No, it's fine. <laughs> We're a part of your house now, Alexander. Yeah, exactly. Welcome. Welcome to my uh, home. Yeah. This is all the glory. Yeah, do you hear the dogs barking? It's perfect. I'm here for it. Um, um, but... Sorry, what was... What no, we were just... I was just mentioning like... Oh, yeah. About like the struggle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that... I think that um, so much uh, of my... Like, I never... Like, I again, this is another mistake I think I made with acting. And I think people make this in music and they make this mistake. Like, you... If you've grown up, like, not dirt poor, which I didn't. You know, I grew up in a very stable household both financially and my family was was stable and i i you know i felt this immense imposter syndrome you know like why should i be so lucky you know what did i do to deserve this you know and i think that i kind of hated myself for um and and as opposed to kind of like patting myself on the back for like continuing to go through these things, I, you know, and, and, and make the next step in my career, I would almost like punish myself. And I felt that like to be an artist, you had to, you know, go through some shit. Right. And I totally disagree with that. I think that the people who are the most successful um, in any career are the ones who have learned to master themselves. Like I'm not successful because I went through that. I'm successful because having gone through that, I learned to master myself. And that's what I needed to realize that, that I needed to, to get my, my shit together. And obviously it's always a growing, you're always growing, you're always learning. Um, but, but that was the catalyst for me when I realized like I was um, severe, like I, I, I deal, I had panic attacks and, 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 you know, I was depressed and going through like, you know, drug and alcohol addiction. And I, I just like, like was a mess. And that was the catalyst for me. I was like, okay, my life and my career are more important than this shit. Like time to, time to figure it out. You know, and I spent money. I didn't really have at the time to go to rehab for 50 days where I met veterans. I met people struggling with PTSD. I met billionaires who were there and I met homeless people who were just coming off the streets. It was a, an incredible group of people who all just shared one goal, which was, I want to love myself and I want a better life. And if I can love myself, I can learn to love those around me. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that was kind of like my journey, but I didn't like, had I known that earlier, like I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have gravitated towards all of that before. Like, I don't think you need to have that to, to just want to be great. Like that's, that's not a precursor to being a great artist or being a great person in life, you don't have to have gone through that. And you shouldn't be embarrassed if you didn't. Just count your lucky stars that you didn't. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but that was my experience. And um, you know, it was a scary time when I we did that video because um, I was kind of, it was still pretty fresh for me. And one thing I realized was <laughs> I couldn't really find anybody like who'd ever really talked about it openly like that. And I remember when I was like deep in my addiction, I said, you know, you know, I said, God, I swear to God, if I get out of this, I, I'm going to help as many people in every way I can. Like, I just, I just need you right now, whatever that is, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I wouldn't say I'm specifically religious, but it was that like, you know, just get me out of here. So when I did that video, it was very scary. I didn't know if it was going to affect my career and or whatever, but I was like, this is what I have to do because somewhere there's a kid um, who looks up to me who needs to know that he's not alone. Um, and the amount of people who've talked to me about that video is insane. It's insane. I'm sorry to, to talk about it if everyone's talked to you about it, but the reason I bring it up is because that's no different than 
the journey that I went through with PTSD and things like that. It's like, if you can, if you can just give me one more day on this planet and you help me make it through it, I will spend the rest of my existence trying to help other people realize they're not alone so that they don't fucking swallow another rifle because there's no goddamn need for it. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why Andrew and I thought we would be a great chat. (laughs) No, 100%. I'm so happy we did. And it's it's almost better that I didn't know what we were getting into because this is really special. And I'm really happy we got to to talk about it. And whoever does listen, I mean, I do, I, I will say I'm really enjoying the way that the world is going um, in this person, in this particular instance, I do feel like all of these things, like what it is to be a man or a strong woman, you know, all those like ridiculous characteristics are being destigmatized, you know? And I think that it's, we're starting to realize that vulnerability is courage. Um, and you can still be a strong man or a woman and be vulnerable. Right. You know, you can still be a badass, uh, in your family and still be vulnerable with your spouse and, you know, and your friends. And, uh, that's one thing I will say that I'm really, you know, we got a lot of shit to deal with in this world right now, but that's one thing I'll say that I'm really, really proud of is that that seems to be going in the right direction. Yeah, it is. There's a, there's an upward trend of mental health, which is, I'm really happy to see. I mean, my God, even looking back at uh, the time that I joined the military, it was like, oh, nine, you had the old school mentality of like, suck it up and move on. Like everyone deals with it. Like, you know, don't be, don't complain. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about your mental health because God forbid you do. And, and it's, it's still very similar in this forces where it's like, with certain units, if you do, you're gone, you're out, you're done. Right. But the, the, the conversation is changing because I think the the suicide epidemic right now, the WHO stated like two years ago, it was, this was two years ago, pre-COVID. So this was out of every hundred deaths, one of those with death by suicide. So, I mean, that was that. Yeah. Yeah, homie. So that's why I'm like, when's enough enough? When is this? When do we get to have this type of conversation where people go, okay, this is something we need to take seriously. The idea that you've got 10, 11, 12 year olds just being like, I don't want to be on this planet anymore is just disgusting behavior that we overlook it and go, that's ah, okay. Will Smith punched somebody in the face. No, 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 yeah. let, no. Let's pay attention for a second. There's kids, tiny yeah. humans, tiny little versions of someone walking around going, I don't want to be here anymore. When they haven't even hit puberty, they just really hate their lives. They're in so much physical and mental pain. They want to end it at 10. No, like that's, that's nah. Yeah. It is, but it takes it takes conversations like this. It takes conversations from people that are affluent, that are out there in the public eye. And I'm really glad that you took that chance that you did before this was, you know, before mental health was like the thing to even have a conversation or feel comfortable talking about. I'm glad that you did that because like you said, so many people came to you that would probably never have come to you. And it there is a responsibility on you now. There's a different type of responsibility on individuals like yourself who have made it out of something. At least I believe that. That's okay. That's my, I'm putting that. No, on I, right I, 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 no, no, I agree. I think, yeah, but I think that there's a responsibility for everyone. It's like if there's, if somebody's in need and they come to you for help, like as a human being, like that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're here to do. You know, pick right. your name, help them out. So, um, no, but I really appreciate you saying that. And, Truly, like, I really never could have imagined, like, how many people would have seen that video. Like, I, I really still don't. Like, anybody who, like, looks me up or, like, whenever they, like, interviews, like, every one out of five will be like, oh, yeah, and I watched your... No, I never thought it was going to be that. Right. You know, I just thought if somebody, like, really needed help and they knew who I was, they might search up, you know, Alexander Ludwig Addiction, right, or something like that. And they're like, oh, great, there's a, there's a video about it. Because I did the same. I was like... I looked up like all these people I looked up to in my industry and I realized that they were sober, but it was just mentioned in things like, Oh, like RDJ is sober. Oh, like Bradley Cooper is sober. Oh, these guys sober. Right. But it was like, but I don't see like anybody, like it might've been in an article or something, but I didn't see something that I could just like click on and be like, Oh shit. Thank God. I'm, yeah. I'm not alone. And the transition point and the reality of what that suffering was and what that looked like, rather than just saying, Oh, they're on the other side. They're sober now. But okay, but what does that mean? Like, how do they get there? What is the plan? What kind of methods and tools did they use to get there? Because that's the thing I think is missing as well, right? Is that conversation of how did you cope? And that was something I wanted to kind of get into with you because 
as you've gotten through, you know, you've come up, you've done a spike like since you've been young. I think you said your first major role was at 13. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done a heavy spike. I mean, I've, I've, it's crazy because when I looked back at the stuff that you were in, I was like, that was him? Shit. Oh, he's in that too. And I didn't realize, but you had been banger after banger after banger. And something that I noticed is you've played a lot of serious badass roles, not just other actor roles, but you've played, you've portrayed Navy SEALs. Your your speech in, in Lone Survivor is something that'll live on, I think, as one of the iconic speeches. Obviously, it's a patent speech, but it's, yeah, memorizing that and then having to recite that must have been a treat for you. It was. And I also like, again, that's one of the other like little things that I never could have imagined were, was going to be as talked about as it was. Like I'll have obviously people in the military, but I'll also have like, like people who are in fraternities be like, uh, dude, I had to like memorize your speech when I was in club. <laughs> or, like things like that. I'm like, wow, like what a gift uh, from Peter Berg. And um, to you know, because my part wasn't massive in that film, but that speech is what yeah, defined me in that film. Um, that was oh, yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a huge one. I mean, I I watched it back, and it's one of those things that you watch and you go, it it it, it hits you emotionally and physically, especially if you've served. It's there's something to that that just like I get goosebumps now thinking about it because it's the it's the way it was done and 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 the intensity and the seriousness that you put towards it and the respect that you put towards it. Right, that's a Lone Survivor was the first real big military movie out of Afghanistan with Marcus. And that was a, you know, that one took everyone kind of by surprise the way it yeah. came out. And it it smoked some, like civilian society in the face in a very heavy duty way. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, honestly, to date, it's one of my favorite films I've been a part of. And um, Marcus Luttrell is one of my close friends still today. Like we talk, we talk, I would say at least once every month. And he's just like, he always checks in on me. You know, Shane in real life was like his little brother. So I think that in um in a weird way, like we've we've done this like this great um connection uh because of that. Uh but that was a really, a really special film. And I've I've been grateful for the roles. I wish I could say it was by design. It it wasn't like it, in some weird way, I probably always would have wanted, like I'm sure my 12-year-old self is like super proud of like the roles I've taken. Is that I would say though, <clears throat> when when we talk about like the grind of the industry, right? Like, or like the grind in life, I really believe that like, it's not a, it's exhausting, but it's not a grind for me to be working. I love working. It's a grind for me when I'm not working, like in my head, that's when it gets crazy. And the grind is up here. It's not even like, like, yeah, like I work crazy hours and when I'm working and yeah, it's like nonstop sometimes, but I love that. I signed up for that shit. Like put that on me. Like it's when I'm not doing those things where I need to keep myself in check. And I think that that's, that's something that I even to date still work on. Um, is that what is what that part? It sounds like that's very similar to a lot of military members. And I think, you know, human beings in general, when you're not when you're not constantly moving, your mind gets a minute to sit still. And if you have that voice, I call it my demon inside of me, the dark yeah. voice, that voice, that voice gets louder and it can get persistent and it can get quite angry if you don't keep it at bay. I know what I do. What are the things that you do that really do help with keeping that at bay when you're not working? Like, this is the hardest thing for me. And I would actually imagine probably for people in the military, it's probably similar. Is like, there's, there is no really routine um, like with our jobs, like one day it's go, 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 go. And the next day it's kind of like, all right, you're just chilling. Like what, what am I doing? So for me, um, I, I've always found that the way, the way out of like, I, I think this is also like with depression and anxiety and stuff too, is like goal setting is really important. Um, of course, like if you were like, I don't know what's going on with my head right now and I'm freaking out, like go to a doctor go to a therapist and like, and talk. But like, for me, I've already kind of figured out what I need. So for me, like goal setting is super important on the days I'm not working. Um, meditation is huge. Like, uh, and I don't do it nearly enough. Like I'm, I'm certainly not practicing what I'm preaching all the time, but like, that is something that I try to do more of because, um, learning how to sit still is, is a, is a huge one for me because I am very go, go, go. And like, I, I don't feel comfortable not doing anything like um normally i would be skydiving 
Like that's something I love to do. Um, obviously, studios don't love that I do that, so I can't do it all the time. We're not big fans of yeah. you almost dying when they pay yeah. a lot of money for you, Alexander. Get it together. Don't yeah. be sketchy on your free time. <laughs> so, like, I got to figure out ways to to do that. But like, goals are huge, and like, you know, finding like basically it's just deciding what you can control in your life and letting go of the things you can't. Like, what can I control right now? Like, I can, I love reading, but I, I don't like reading books because I fall asleep. So like, I'll listen to Audible, right? Or like, I'll be like listening to podcasts and I'll be, you know, talking about my next project and, and breaking down a pitch deck and, you know, like talking to my partners that are doing other things. So we're just constantly trying to move the ball forward and, and tell great stories. You just made me think of something and I wanted to ask you something um, only because I just went through this. So I'm wondering, did you play any contact sports as a child? Oh, tons. Hunt. You want to know why you fall asleep when you're reading? Why? TBI, honey. What's that? Traumatic brain injury. Really? Fun fact. I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give you a tangent. This is also something I do. I'm a tangenter. Yeah. I know it's not even a word, but I use it. So I learned this recently because um, I just found out I had a TBI that was not diagnosed um, from the military, and my husband was a professional supercross racer. Okay. So last year, out of nowhere, we slowly slowly started to see some downticks, right? In terms of couldn't read, would fall asleep, had some balance issues, had some chronic headaches, not sleeping super well, digestive problems. Um, what's another really good one that's a sign of a TBI? Um, there's a few. Oh, vertigo or like light sensitivity. Get any of those? Am I checking any boxes here? I mean, maybe sometimes light sensitivity, but maybe like... The main thing, I definitely don't get vertigo or yeah. any of those. Um, I mean, literally, I just fall asleep when I read. That's about okay. it. Like, Keep yeah. an eye on that because you're I not will. in your 30s yet. You're not in your 30s yeah. yet. That's when you'll start to notice it a little bit later. So fun fact, TBIs are like small concussions. Like anytime you get a concussion, you contribute to a TBI. So now because of all of the research into blast research that they've done with veterans and things like that and concussions, there's... Um, all these little types of things people are starting to realize that they thought were just like normal behavior. We're like light yeah. sensitivity for me and small migraines. They turn out to be TBIs and sleeping by not ability, not your ability, inability to sit there and read a book because you fall asleep is one of those things. Uh, so, uh-huh. I just went to the clinic down in Texas for that. So that's why I was like, are you in Texas? I'm, no, I was, I was in Texas. Oh. For three, two, three weeks, I was actually down um, in Houston doing an event. Um, Morgan uh, Latrell was at. It was the um, Warrior Angel Foundation four by four by forty eight. So we run four miles every four hours for forty eight hours straight for charity. Love that. Oh yeah, yeah, homie. That's where my life's at. Yeah. Sorry, right, I'll invite you to the next one. Yeah, so please. we we do that in Texas, and then I went out to the TBI clinic, the Resiliency Brain Clinic with Defenders of Freedom, and they ran me through the program so I could get my brain working again. Um, anyway, I digress. Those little things, though, are, are small little symptoms people don't realize about TBIs. And so now I'm I'm on a TBI kick with people. I'm like, hey, you have concussions as a child? What can't you do? Let me tell you why. <laughs> That's amazing. It's incredible how technology is getting like... like I don't know. Have you, have you ever done like one of those things where they put like them all over your, your brains? Like, did they ever do uh, like in, when I was in rehab, they, they did that with a few veterans. Like they would do, they would scan your brain and tell yep. you like everything that's going on with it. And then they had that, uh, is, it EM, is it EMDR? Yeah, and, EMDR. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. Uh, well, I did that too. I did EMDR yeah. as well. That was wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I find I I tried that for treatment. It it worked for a little, and then it didn't. And then we started doing something um, at the TMS clinic. That uh, sorry, at the brain clinic called TMS. It's train transcranial magnetic stimulation, where they put the dots on your head, and it kind of goes. Anyway, those are all things like that that work for plenty of different head injuries and PTS and those things along those lines. But I was going to ask you because you said it, and I'm going to pry into it. You said you're more spiritual than religious. You ever experienced psychedelics? No. That scares really? the shit out of me. Yeah, it scares the fuck out of me. Like the idea of like, like you have to understand, you're speaking to somebody who like has a history of panic attacks to you. Like I've had like where you feel like you're not in your body. The idea that yeah. like, I love control of my life. Okay. So the idea of letting go of that is, is truly the scariest thing I could think of. 
However, I am totally aware that like there is more science on the fact that like microdosing and this and that. I just like I'm like I don't even want to go down that road. Like I'm just trying to figure out me right now. Um, but but yeah. Well, when you're ready to really figure out who you are, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a sit with Mama. I am. We'll really show you who you are. Mm-hmm. That shit will kill your ego. I have heard that it works for people. You know that it, you know. So. That's yeah. That's was the the run was to benefit Vet Solutions, which is Marcus uh, Capone. He was a SEAL Team Six door breacher and yep. uh, Heroic Hearts Project, which is uh, run by yep. another ranger. And they do ayahuasca, ibogaine, um, psilocybin, five meo for veterans um, that are going through PTS and things like that. But I can tell you, that's uh, you want to talk about spirituality and really find them yourself, dude. Yeah. yeah, it really worked for you, huh? It saved my life. Wow. Ayahuasca did. Yeah, I I went through uh, suicidal bouts all the way up to January of last year. And like had the business, had it all together. Things were going great. Didn't really matter. Had a great husband, had a great kid. You know, did everything that you could fucking want in ever. Just did GMA, just did all these things, right? And then it just, the PTS treatment and everything else I was doing was just not cutting it. I was all of a sudden when your son goes... Mommy is having another hard day. It's like, ah, oh, okay. That's your five-year-old notices. That's too far. And then I I had a guy on the show who they sponsor the show Combat Flip Flops. He was a ranger. And at the end of the show, he just kind of leaned in real creepy like like this because that's what Griff does. And he goes, hey, how you doing? And I went, fine. And he goes, try again. And I just went, <laughs> I just oh. fucking wrecked. And then 30 days later, Heroic Hearts brought me and took me to my first ayahuasca ceremony where I got to sit um, in ceremony with her and with my guys. I call my pack members and a bunch of really, really badass human beings and um, was really vulnerable, went through literal hell and purged my brain stupid and found myself for the first time in a decade and realized that uh, there's so much more out there. There's so much more to this world. There's so much more to healing and life and the realities that are the beautiful experience of psychedelics. And I'll tell you, I'm a control freak, my friend. So (laughs) I sat there and was more horrified than anybody else. I threw up the aisle within 20 minutes. I was so anxious and nervous and freaking out. And then... She eased me into the process. And then I went in again the second night and just said, listen, I'm here to, I'm here. I'm ready. Whatever I'm supposed to see, the person I'm supposed to be, show me. And I'm ready to take this burden on. And she showed me all right. She showed me a lot of things. And um, that was one of the most transformative experiences of my entire existence to date. And I'm 32. And I now sit with Aya regularly in um, microdose psilocybin. I support our business supports all of these psychedelic charities for veterans because they are the way forward. They're the way forward for healing for pretty much everyone. My like biggest fear is like, like losing your mind. You know, unless, okay. So let me, let me teach you about that. So people don't, that doesn't work that way. There's, there's definitely individuals that psychedelics are not for schizophrenics, bipolar, people who are on heavy psychotics, antipsychotics, or SSRIs. So how do you know that? How do you know that before going into it? Like you could have a, like you could have a, uh, what is it? Uh, like a psychotic ten- break. Yeah. You know, you hear about those yeah. stories. And I think that's what scares me the most. I think those are a lot fewer and far between. And a lot of those were propaganda-based way before psychedelics were more of a conversation now. I mean, you've got Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Stanford, U of T. You've got major universities studying this stuff and looking at the realities of it. And it's set and setting, right? That's the other thing. Back in the 70s, people were just whatever and just free love. And now it's like, there's a shaman present. There's assistants present. There's doctors present. There's real, real things, scanning and previous work you got to do before you even go into the process. So the number one thing I always say is like, have a conversation with your doctor about it. If they think that you have a tendency for psychosis or any of those issues, they'll just straight up say, it's not for you, homie. Number two, if you're on an SSRI, so a serotonin reuptake drug, something like Zoloft or an antidepressant in a better way, you cannot be on it when you experience something like 5-MAO, DMT, ayahuasca. Psilocybin, maybe, but eh. 
they recommend not because what can happen is you're right. You can have a serotonin reuptake syndrome, which causes a psychosis and people peak and can stay in that psychosis. That being said, the military put me on 10 different pharmaceutical drugs. And the ray I got off of those with, I used cannabis. After I slowly weaned down, up until January of last year, I was on my last SSRI. They said, you cannot come and experience this while being on it. And I said, got it, roger that, I'm getting off of it. Called the doc, said this is where I'm going to do. He goes, this is how we safely wean you off of it. And then you go and do your experience. You make the people aware, you make the people conscious where you're going, and you let them know your fears. The whole point of psychedelics is not only to relinquish control, but it's to heal the body and mind and reconnect the body mind. And that's the thing we've so long in science have kind of forgot about for the past couple of decades. And now we're coming into where, you know, society's finally accepting that these things are can be used as tools and not just as party drugs. But set and setting, my man, are all and everything. They're more than 80% of it. Mm. It's massive. And when I say I was terrified, dude, like, yeah, I had a grown room of grown dudes with that were part of alphabet soup and other places who were just as terrified as this tiny pocket human. And I sat there on my little bed, my little blanket with a bunch of strange dudes that I just walked into a room with. We're like 20 minutes before that, there was more guns in that house than I'd seen on deployment. And they're all like, no, nah, man, like all dressed in white, like they were about to go see God. We all walked in with an intention, a purpose of what we wanted from this. We sit down, you meditate for 45 minutes, you sit, the shamans bring in the ayah, you sit with it, and then you just wait until the medicine opens up to you. And then you start hearing the every five seconds. Dude, it's it's life changing. It's game. Like what happened? Like what did you just go into a totally different like do you want to know? We can get into this. I mean, you in and out of your body for sure. Everybody's experience is drastically different. Mine, I've I've spoken pretty openly and honestly about. If I'm being transparent, I talked uh, on Lex Friedman about one of the more transformative nights of my life, um, where again, bear with me. I had turned me into a wolf to show me something in myself. So when I sat on my bed in the pitch black of the yurt, and I looked around. I was a straight wolf, homie. (laughs) Like, and what she would say to me, and she would sit there and sit with me and say, listen, you no longer need to bite. You're so afraid of yourself in the world. The first thing you do is react. It's time that you step back and learn that you can be the pack leader in your life. You can be the pack leader for those around you, but you no longer need to do anything but show your teeth. So stop putting out the aggression. And the world will open up to you. And it was things like that. And it's meaningful stories. We, I lost a child. I got to sit with that child. I got to sit with my daughter in ceremony. I got to be there where she came to me. Because I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And she came to me and sat with me and said, Mommy, I'm okay. I'm good. You don't need to worry or be sad anymore. I'm protected over here. Like there's experiences that are so transformative in ayahuasca, in, in other psilocybin ceremonies, in MDMA ceremonies, and in, in all of them, ketamine ceremonies. There are, there are things that you can learn about yourself in a way that I only wish the rest of the world got to experience because it, not, it was not only the thing that healed me, it was the thing that showed me my path, my purpose, how to get there, and why I was meant for that. And so it, ayahuasca, she saved me. Mama Aya is my northern star. I speak of her like she's my homie, like she's my friend. She's not my God, but she is my, she is my guide. Mm-hmm. And she shows me when I'm on the right path and when I'm not. And the reality is, I know people have sat with Aya that like hundreds of times. I haven't had that privilege quite yet. We're working up to it. But it is something that you feel called to do when you are ready. And for somebody who is a control freak like myself and like you, relinquishing control of something for a four to six hour period, and then resting at night, waking up, doing group share with, being vulnerable with some of the most badass dudes I had ever seen in my entire life, sit there and cry their eyes out to me. There is something more powerful. I is not only a healer, but she's a unifier. And that's what's special about psychedelics. 
Well, I mean, it sounds, it sounds incredible. And I think that like, you know, as we move towards this, um, this like awakening of, or, or, or this, like, um, everyone's kind of, uh, becoming less and less reluctant to, to explore these things. I think the most important thing is exactly what you just did, which is just, it's just all the information like, Hey, consult with a doctor first, check yourself. Don't just like go to like your friend down the road and go, okay, I'm ready. Like, no. <laughs> like do it doesn't this work that way. way. And it seems to me like you did. And then that's amazing. I'm so happy you had such a great experience with it. I mean, I think that I'm, you know, if ever, I'm certainly years away from ever even considering that. But like, I do, I do love um, that it's having this effect for people. And I think that I'm, I'll tell you this, I'm very fascinated by it. It's something that I'm, I'm certainly want to learn more about. Well, you've got my number and we can talk afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's, uh, there's, there's ways, right, of healing. And so we were kind of chatting with that um, about your ways of healing. And then I, tang- I went on a tangent with you. I'm going to shift gears if you're comfortable with that. Um, you've, done some ser- like, you've done some serious roles. We talked about Lone Survivor and things like that. But I got to tell you, I think out of everything you've done, there's something you're going to be known for for the rest of your existence. And I think you're quite all right with Mr. Bjorn Ironside. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very, very proud of that, that show. Dude. For reasons. How did you get that spot? Like, what can get give me at all? You know, there's so, and I think this, just on a broader scope, like, I think that it's so easy in every business and in every industry to want to trace someone's career backwards in, in hopes that that will give you a map for your experience forwards. And, and, I think that the things that have happened in my life um, that have turned out to be such such successes uh, were never the ones that I could have ever ever planned for or had experienced. Like basically, what I'm at a point in my life now where I'm like, I'm going to do what I love, and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and work my ass off in everything I do, and that's it. Like I'm going to be a part of things that I would want to see, and that's it. Um, Vikings was one of those experiences where, you know, I, the Hunger Games had come out a couple of years before. I, and then since then I had done, you know, grown ups and Lone Survivor and a few other things. And I guess one of the producers of Vikings had seen me in the Hunger Games and, and realized that I would be a very, uh, that I, I, I have a striking resemblance to the kid, uh, grown up. And, um, they approached me about the show and they, you know, they said, look, we want you to come in uh, to MGM, meet our president and meet Travis and Catherine who had already been on the show. And it was, it was, it was successful ish. Uh, but I don't think it was like, critically it was, it was definitely going again, but like nothing close to what it's become. And um, so I met them and um, I, I did a reading for it. Um, and then they offered me the role. And this was like, at the beginning of what I would call the golden age of television. I believe in my heart of hearts right now, the best storytelling is on TV. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Um, mm-hmm. So this was like back in the day when like movies were still the thing. And yeah. the idea of signing onto a show for six years, and it is like a sports contract where like you don't just, like no one gets to just sign on for a year unless it's a miniseries, right? Like you're signing on for, six years and in success, they can call you back every year to do this show. And I'm like, this show is on the history channel. Like I only ever watched the history channel for, for world war II documentaries. And like maybe the Hatfields and McCoys was the only other thing that I loved. But like, you know, other than that, that was basically it. Um, And I was like, and you know, they came in like really low for me and like, like I'm just like right, like, like am I really about to like sign away my life right now for like you know pennies in comparison to like you know so I said no and they came back and I said no again and then they came back one last time and mm-hmm. um and the the showrunner and by the way like I am aware of how grateful I am that like 
like that this happened. And it's not like you get offered everything in this industry. Like some to some people, you are you are incredible. And then to other people, they don't give a shit about you. It's like it all depends on who watches the show. Like you've clearly seen Vikings. And like that, that makes me so happy. But there's still people who haven't. So like a mistake and like in a life <laughs> like a so, major life downfall. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I basically had a conversation and with Michael Person and and some of the people at MGM who told me in success the trajectory of this character, right? Of where they wanted to take it. And they said, look, she's gonna be a boy, she's gonna become a man, she's gonna be um a, you know, a king, a warrior, and then a legend. And like that's kind of like where we want to take him. And I watched the show because it was already quite big in Canada. Like people were loving it. My friend was like, you have to do this show. It's yeah. funny because when I signed on to the show, eventually I said yes. Um, and I, when I signed on to the show, I had some of my friends like stoked for me. And then I had some of my friends like, well, this is the end of his career. Like what? He's going to go, he's going to go do like these huge movies and then like do some show on the history channel. Like what? And like, I don't blame them for thinking it. It wasn't like, it wasn't a big thing at the time. And but that goes back to like, I was like, at the end of the day, like, who cares? Like, I love this show. So I want to be a part of it. Like, I don't really. So we basically started, you know, working our way up and it was just 10 episode seasons. And then it was another 10 episode season. And then there was a big shift and they were like, we're going to order a 20 episode season, which for a cable drama is, is enormous. Like that doesn't happen. Like Max, you'd maybe get this isn't a network show. So the fact that they're doing that was indicative of the, of the success of the show. Um, and, you know, it, it's turned out to be one of the greatest uh, experiences of my life. I grew as a human being, as an actor, as a, you know, just everything. And it's, uh, you know, to date, like, you know, it's a calling card for me. And it's been, uh, I'm so grateful to have been a part of that show. It, it's, uh, it's, it will forever be the greatest decision I ever made in my career. I love it. I'm glad that you did it because I got to tell you, like, I mean, I'm not going to like sit here and go over it, but like legitimately it was, it's a, such a fantastic show. It was so freaking well done and it, God damn, did it ever hit on so many notes. And for people like, I know a lot of people in the military who a lot of us are very much more spiritual side and the Valhalla is a real place to a lot of us. It's a real, it's a real, real thing. And when you found something like that, that resonates with you and that it hits, it's it's special. And like I said, like I know you've done like Hunger Games. I, I got to tell you, I never saw it. Just wasn't my bag. And I just was like, I, I, I can't get into it. Um, but I mean, now I can because it feels like it's the, the world direction we're going, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, that's like the blueprint. It's like, hey, how do we feel about this? How would society yeah. feel about this? Um, let's test it in a movie. And so, you know, that was one though that, I know you're going to go off to do amazing things. I know you have a lot of stuff. You've got heels. You've got... Uh, that's that other one I recently saw, the National Champions uh, about the N, um, NCAA, which that's a whole other thing. Um, but Vikings, I mean, dude, I don't know if you... I hope you don't ever get sick of hearing it, but it it's going to have a cultural impact that I don't know that you're really even going to notice for another 10, 15 years because it's just getting started. I really believe that. It- it, you know, I'm so grateful to hear that. And I will never get sick of people loving Vikings because I love Vikings. I'm a fan of the show. I'm, I'm proud of what I've done on it. And like, and, and I agree with you that like, I, you know, it was such a slow burn, but the amount of people who come up to me now who have seen oh. the show is wild. And I mean, like it was already big overseas. You know, I, you know, it, it got by season three, like, well, by season three, people started to talk about it. Like season one and two, and nobody knew what it was. And then, and then it got real big globally, just not in the states. It was already big in Canada. And then now, since COVID, it's like holy shit! Like mm-hmm. people have been watching this show like more than I ever could have imagined. So it's been amazing. It really has. Yeah, I definitely. It's one of the only shows I legitimately not only cried at, but like had like. Had had to take a fucking day. Dude, dude, if you think I'm joking, you can ask the rest of my office. I remember the day your character died. I watched it and I was like, well, 
nothing else matters in the world. So I don't know how to feel. I just don't know how to feel right now. And they're like, oh my God, calm down. It's impactful, dude. It's impactful. But it, as is many of the other things that you've done, you're playing a role right now. That, is that the one you're filming in Spain with um, the military character? There's one called, is it the interpreter you're working on? Okay. Uh, we finished, I, yeah, I was shooting that on a, on a military base in uh, Zaragoza and we also shot that in Alicante. It was awesome. Okay. Can you talk yeah. about it at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's about um, so Jake Gyllenhaal stars in it, um, and Guy Ritchie is directing, who I'm a massive fan of. So I've wanted to work with him forever, and it's basically about a um, uh, a sergeant in the military who uh, goes missing in, in Afghanistan, and, and and with the help of his interpreter, gets out. I play his, um, and then obviously there's a lot of twists and turns that for the mm-hmm. film that I don't want to wreck, but. I play uh, his best friend who's at kind of, it, I would say that it's kind of like Eric Bana's character in Lone Survivor and that like he's at, he's on the base, but he's, he's trying to help him um, from afar. And then when he comes home, they have this kind of connection. And so I, I came in for, you know, over like, it wasn't that long of a shoot for me. I was there for like a week and a half or two weeks, but um uh, I'm very excited for the film. It's really cool. And Guy is incredible and Jake is phenomenal. And, and you know, I've always been attracted to those stories. I don't, I don't really know why, but like, I think that not like nothing can show you more who you are than a life or death experience. So as somebody who's really directed, is really, um, as somebody who is, who, who loves drama, uh, I don't think it gets any more dramatic than that. So uh, to me, I, I just love those stories. No. Yeah, and it's really timely, especially with the pull out of Afghanistan last year and that shit show. There's so yeah. many people that are really going to connect. I won't like I won't ruin it for you, uh, everyone for you, because you're going to have to see it yourself. But that's going to connect and it's going to hit in a way that, again, I don't know that you guys realize how much because there were so many of us that were working to pull interpreters and individuals and people out of Afghanistan because of the work that they did with us to really keep us alive um, when we were in the war zones like that. So. I think that's going to be, I think you're going to be shocked at what comes out of that. Nothing, nothing matters. I mean, nothing, nothing makes me more proud than when somebody in the military comes up to me and says that they're a fan of something like that. You know, because to me, like, you guys are the real heroes. Like, I'm just an actor. Like, I, I'm fascinated by the world in an, in, you know, in, a, in another life, I could have totally seen myself going down that path. That's probably why I, I have so much respect uh, for people who have served before because I, I think it, it's it's admirable and it's a brotherhood and it's you know and a sisterhood and it's just uh, it's, it's okay to say brotherhood, homie. You're you know, good. You know what I mean? Are we? Yeah, am I going to cancel now or what? No, uh, you're not. I mean, actually, maybe who knows? I do all the time. So welcome <laughs> to the team. Uh, but you know what I mean. And, it, and it's yes, just uh, it's just um, it's great. So to me, like I I have the utmost respect for, for people who. Um, have served and are serving. And I love to be a small part in telling um, those stories to the world. Well, those stories stand the test of time for a reason, right? But, you know, they wouldn't be, you know, if you got a bunch of us who decided to become actors one day, we're not going to portray it as good. I'll tell you that. I think the only one who ever did it well was Restrepo. But that was because they legitimately had the dudes that were involved in Restrepo. Then they filmed it again. And that was a whole different type of project in itself. But... I think you know the projects you're working on now. They're all legitimate. They're they're not that my ma- word matters, but they're legitimate in the sense that they they're not passing. They're not things that's like ah another movie's out ah another movie's out. You're putting out meaningful work, and I think that that comes from somebody who has been through struggle, who understands what it takes to become the person you've become, and it's it's really shown the hard work that you've put in to better yourself to get through the shit to work through the depression. And that doesn't always go away, right? That's an ebb and a flow. We can't all be at the high peaks. Everyone's going to have that ebb and flow. So even as you go through that, moving forward in your life, just know that the stuff that you've done matters and that we think it matters. And that those that watch it who have been in the service or who haven't been in the service and just really resonate with your work, it matters. The shit you do is serious. And I'm glad that you don't just take on roles to take on roles because then you would become that actor. And I think sure, you're, and it's, you're it's, worth more. That that really does mean the world to me. And, and it's a hard and, and and what a what a stupid thing I'm about to say in terms of how lucky I am to say this, but like 
it's a, it is a hard thing. Um, and it was especially early on when I didn't have any money. But it is a hard thing because you're not just saying no. Like it's a hard thing to say no to money, but it's also a very powerful thing, powerful thing to do. And I think that like early on, um, when you don't have it and you don't like, you're not, you're not getting offers. It's not, it's not like, Oh, people are just offering you stuff. Like you don't have money. And like, but you're at a place now where people think you do. Right. But you don't. Right. Yeah. And, and suddenly like there's these opportunities that are thrown at you and you got to say no to them, but with no clue what the future holds. Like, like I'm saying no to a job and I don't know if there's another great movie that's happening in like in a month or in 12 months. And I don't know if I'm going to make it a year, you know? So like at that starting point, it's really hard. And even now when there's a good project, everyone wants to be a part of it and you're still fighting and you will always be fighting just the level at which you're fighting changes, but it always happens. Even at the top, like at the very, very top of this business, someone is losing a job to somebody else that they wish that they were a part of. That will always be a thing. It just becomes, you know, you're competing with less and less people um, as you start going. So like, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And for me, like, that's like, when I look back on my life, like I just, I, this is never like, of course you want to be financially stable. And of course, but like, when I think of like a legacy I want to leave behind or like the stories I want to tell, I want to be on a set and just be so fucking proud that I'm there, you know, and like, I'm doing something important, you know, I, and like, I, and I really care about that. So I do. And, and I've been so blessed that like recently it's, it seems like there's been a huge uptick in like my people's perception of me in the industry. And like, and clearly, you know, and things are happening at a level it's never happened before, but, but even then you've got to be so careful about like, because if you take the money gig just once and it's a piece of shit, like you're, it's not sustainable. So to me, it's not even like, to me, it's not even an option. I'm like, don't even tell me what they're offering or what it is because it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not doing this movie. Like, it's like, we've got, it's got to be something substantial that I would be proud to be a part of. Um, and then usually the, the irony in that is that I have to fight for that role. Right. And that's it's okay. not a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. That's, that's okay. what it's up for. Well, that's you know? it. You're willing to do the work for it. But then you've also decided like, hey, fuck it. I'm really great at acting. I might as well add more things to my plate. So now I'm a country singer. What? <laughs> Who has you know, time for this life? I know what you're doing. You're called avoidance tactics. You're just adding shit to your plate. Yeah. Like, you know, I always knew that like when I got into, like I've been writing music my whole life. I just, I just have never had a chance to pursue it. And when the opportunity arose, finally, I just... I love country music. It's one of the greatest forms of storytelling and I love it. And I want to do it for as long as they'll have me and as for as many people as will listen. But it's, you know, it would be so naive of me to think that this, and I always, and I said that to the head of the label and to everybody, like, I'm very aware that I'm in this for the long haul. Like this, this, you know, you don't just like get a record late deal, go to radio and everything happens. Like the people you're hearing on radio right now have spent years and years just trying to get there, right. let alone have a number one. Like, so that, again, that's the same thing for me. It's like, I love country music. I love writing country music. I don't really care what happens at the end of the day. It's, you know, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to keep doing it. But it's like, let's just see where this goes, you know? It seems like it's an art therapy thing for you too, right? Like I was going to bring that up because there's so many things that we talk about in terms of like ways to cope, but art therapy is one of those. And if Music is is a form of art therapy, and that's a coping mechanism. And it's you've really taken that to the next level. I mean, I did it with the company with the jewelry. That's I did it for art therapy and spun it into a whole thing. And then you're like, "Fuck it, I've got you've got a you got a cool voice, though. You don't sound like every other country music star out there right now. You've got that. I grew up on country. My dad's yeah. truck driver. I grew up in the truck listening to ACDC and country music as loud as it would get. Just so you know, that's exactly what I did. It was ACDC and country. 
Fuck yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. So that country music though, that you, like your tone, you have an old school soul tone. You've got the twang that I grew up with. You don't have the new like Taylor Swift. I mean, it would be weird if you sounded like her, but you don't, but I mean, but hey, you could because anyone can do anything. So I'm saying you just, you have this tone to you that's completely different. I didn't expect when I started listening to your music, but it's like, oh, this is old school country. I yeah. like this. This is different. This is way di- more different than I expected out of you. Thank you. I mean, for me, like that's that's the country music I always connected to was like the '90s. So one thing that I said to you know, and I look at like randomly, like long story short, from this was that I was bored of playing to Nashville after I'd been taking numerous flights there, meeting people, writing music, doing that whole thing, and I and I linked up with Jason Aldean's band because they loved. Lone Survivor on that plane, just randomly, and you know, Jason. That's the best, I love those plane meetings. They're the it's best. Crazy. crazy, and like Jason has been such a great supporter, and Tully and Kurt, his bassist and guitarist, are producing me, and um, and we always said like we're not chasing trends, you know, like that's just not what we're doing. Like we're going to do us and stick to our lane, and like if it makes it to radio, great. If it doesn't make it to radio, great. Like I just want to do this, like. I wouldn't even want to be doing country music if I couldn't do it the way that I love, you know? Um, um, and it's so fun. Like, I mean, like I just wrote a song the other day with David Lee Murphy and I just, I'm such a huge fan of David's like, he's written so many hits and, and had a, has, has an amazing country career himself. So like, to me, it was a part of my life that I always felt like was missing. Um, and it was like the last thing I would have said that if I was 80 years old and I look back on my life, like, why didn't you do that? You know? So I moved to Georgia and I'm here now because I'm close to Nashville and I can do heels and I can write music. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, heels looks legit, man. Saw you doing some backflips and stuff. I was like, oh, good. At least he's doing the stunts. It'll throw, yeah, it'll throw, you, uh, it'll throw you for a loop for sure because it really isn't just a show about wrestling. Like, it really is about people wanting more out of life. And uh, my character in that is just a absolute mess. And he's a complete roller coaster ride. And I just love a spade so much. I just think it's such a fun role to play. So it's been a, you know, it's been amazing. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I love seeing that you're, you know, you're not only successful, but you're successful emotionally. You're successful inside mindset, healing wise. Because that's really what matters. I mean, anybody can go make money and be an actor, but if you're fucking dead inside and you don't care about anything and you're not doing anything good for people, I have no use for you. (laughs) You know what's funny is that I've had that like weird awakening too. Is it's like, you know, you really can have it all, but like if you don't, like health is wealth, period, and mental health is wealth. Like it's like if you if you're having a shitty day and you're like thinking it's because of money or you're thinking it's because of this, ask yourself, have I slept enough? Have I drank water? Did I go to the gym? Am I doing like the everyday things? And then see how you respond to that same situation. I promise you it will be so unbelievably different. Mm -hmm. Like so much of it is just like how we're taking care of ourselves. And the irony in it is that once you, once you learn to like do that, the universe will reward you. And I know you know this in ways you never could have imagined. No. I know. I know. I know all about it, homie. I know all about it. (laughs) I love it, dude. I'm, I'm so grateful that we got some time, um, some time to chat and we could finally lock it in. And I appreciate your efforts and willingness after no sleep to come on the show. And so we'll, we'll kind of cut it there. Is there anything coming up besides the, you know, the new movie, The Interpreter and anything else besides your awesome music? Cause I was going to say, dude, don't worry about radio. I know, you know what Spotify is. So like, what are you stressing about? Well, that's what we're doing is like, we just released yeah. on Spotify and like, we're just going to keep going. And um, no, I mean, yeah. Like I would love people to listen to music. Let me know what you think. I mean, I want to play it for as many people as will listen. And, and uh, for now that's, you, you kind of broke it all down. That's what I got going on like professionally. So I like it. And it looks like really everything's do. going well with your, your beautiful new wife. Yeah. It's been, it's been incredible. You know, we started this life here in Georgia right now for the time being, and it's been amazing to go somewhere new together and like kind of make new friends together and do that whole thing. Um, we love it. So 
know, where I'm so, so blessed and, and just happy to be, to be here. And I'm really, really grateful I got to talk to you. I, I got to say, like, I, I never could have expected this is the kind of conversation we're going to have. And thanks for having me on. Dude, no problem. That's kind of what the response is everyone gives me. Like, <laughs> this is going to go in a direction nobody really thought. And I'm like, just give it a second. You'll see. Yeah. I always ask you, hey, do you know what you got yourself into? And all answers always no. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I think it went better than I would have expected. But thank you so much for being on. We'll make sure to plug all of your music. Not that you need it, but we will do it. And we'll make sure to plug all of your amazing TV shows that you've got films coming out. Otherwise, um, Alexander Ludwig, everyone. You stick with me. Everyone else, see y'all next week.